0: Good morning. This is Dina Marie with a Franciscan moment on Mater Dei Radio. As Christians, we believe in the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. With our hope placed in Jesus Christ, it is a privilege and a duty to pray for those who have gone before us. During the month of November, the Catholic Church commemorates all who have died, especially on All Saints and on All Souls Day. To help us discover more about our relationship with the Holy Souls, we have Franciscan Friar Father Dan Petit with us this morning. Father Dan, thanks for joining us once again today.
1: Well, good morning, Dan and Maria. Good to be with you again. I I just so happened to have noticed uh, a couple of weeks ago we've got quite an extended uh, conversation going on here, which is wonderful, and uh, these topics are so timely.
0: Well, I think talking about the saints and the souls, particularly in this month of November, is so important. And I think so much confusion or misunderstanding, particularly from our Protestant brothers and sisters. But we do say in our in our creed, I believe in the communion of saints. You know, who are the communion Mm -hmm. of saints? How are we related to these communion of saints?
1: Yeah, the communion of saints is what it's it's kind of uh, well. It's really the unity of the church, uh, which can never be destroyed because our unity is rooted in the communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The devil can't divide the Trinity, and when we participate in the life of the Trinity by baptism, we're incorporated into this unity with one another as the church. Now, I know this side of the grave, it looks like we're all divided most of the time, but really, you can't really divide the church as much as separate people from it. And the communion of saints are those who have persevered in their membership in the church and the grace of baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, and are now in heaven in the communion of saints. And that's where we're headed actually is, to take up our place within that eternal that eternal communion uh, in the heavens.
0: Right. Well, we have these two feast days, all saints and all souls, the beginning of November, and there's some great history. But when we talk about saints, these are all the people, whether they're canonized or not, that are in heaven?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's uh, this that we have the formal saints, of course, that we have, in a way demonstrations by miracles and the like before they can be canonized there's uh the requirements necessary for canonization including two miracles that are verifiable and and the like so those are the formally canonized saints but then there's all sorts of other men and women not formally canonized by the church who are also there like we can speak of our ancestors, our grandparents, great-grandparents, great-uncles, all these people that are up there who are not formally canonized, but also persevered in the grace of Christ, and um, did gain their place in, in the heavens as well. So it's all of them together, you know, whether they're formally declared by the church or not, saints are in the heavens, you know. Right.
0: Right. Father Dan Petit is with us as we commemorate the month of November and this time to pray for all souls. So we have this idea of souls. Who are the souls? And we have uh, this interesting, I don't know, I've heard it t- uh, explained as an, a, an experience, an event, a place, but it's beyond our, our, our comprehension purgatory where the souls are in, in a purification process what happens when we die, Father Dan? This is a question we can't quite answer, but a lot of people have speculated.
1: Right, right. It is. We do have it on Revelation, of course, in the Bible. Purgatory exists. Uh, heaven obviously exists. As The book of Revelation makes that so clear. And then, of course, hell exists as well by the teaching of Christ in the Gospels. It, you know, purgatory, if you think in terms of what is going on there, and it, it, it's most helpful, I find, to remember where we're headed in the heavens is the communion of saints. Am I able to take up my place in the communion of saints? And if I'm not, I need to be purified. So, so it won't be the case, for example, we'll, we'll, we'll die and then God will say to us, okay, You have your right to privacy. I'm gonna. I have this nice isolated place for you in the heavens with some Wi-Fi. You can sit over there all by yourself. No, no, that's you're not being. Heaven isn't a place where you're isolated. It's going into a place where you're living the grace that brings us together instead of the things that pull us apart. And so, if I'm not well disposed to live in communion. I need to go to purgatory to have whatever that is that's impeding me from participating in communion. Maybe it's a grudge, it's unforgiveness, it could be any number of things. But purgatory is the place where that would be dealt with in a way, um, because you can't go into the heavens and start ragging up people and complaining against them and getting angry with them and fighting and picking on fights and stuff. Jesus won't let you in you know you're going to need to go to purgatory to deal with that whatever that is and that's what purgatory that's what the teaching of it does is it, it 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 purifies you to then be well disposed to take up your place in the communion of saints
0: so when we talk about father dan praying for our loved ones and that's what we're really invited to do really anytime but particularly in november is this time in the church how how are our prayers used? Why do we pray? And how long have we been praying for the dead? Is this something always in Christian tradition and belief?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to the, you know, the earliest days of the church when it was still in the catacombs of Rome. We can see from the paintings on the catacombs beneath the city when they were being persecuted, the indication of the prayers that the faithful in these caves were praying for their dead who had just been you know, maybe martyred or, or whatever, there's all these prayers, indication of prayers for the dead. So that's as far back as the young church when it was still in persecution. So yes, I mean, the reason for that, of course, uh, we've come to understand is that after you die, you're completely incapable of further grace in terms of meriting grace, Uh, Right now, we can change. We're still capable of converting. We're still capable of responding to the call of Christ, improving our lives, appropriating the virtues that bring us together as opposed to the vices that pull us apart. We can always be growing in those virtues. But once we die, that's a period on our life. Now our time is over and we're completely at the disposal of the prayers of the church or those people still alive in order to gain heaven if we're in purgatory. And so that's why we have the Feast of All Souls on November 2nd. We're encouraged as a church to pray for our beloved dead because we we don't know for a fact where everybody is. We hope we know where they are, but we want to pray to get them there.
0: Right, right. Father Dan with us today as we're talking about the month of November and praying for all souls, uh, the souls in purgatory, because there is, I, I've heard the four last things. There's judgment at the time of death, and then there's purgatory, hell, and heaven. Now, purgatory isn't leading us to heaven. So we're assured heaven. Um, but we also have to remember that there is a hell. And I think one of the quotes I saw is that. Those who don't believe in hell are going to be the most susceptible of going there.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, the fact that I doubt it doesn't thereby establish the fact of non-existence. Uh, We don't have that. Our doubt doesn't have that kind of power to just declare something non-existent. But I, I think the thing, too, that we need to realize is, you know, once we do meet the final judgment of Christ, it's not like we're going to be able to charm him into letting us in or we're not going to be able to you know maybe manipulate our way in because once he decides once the judgment has been declared based on the life we've just lived it's over it's final it's just it's complete it's and it's understood but you know if you look at the judgment text in scripture it speaks of wailing and gnashing of teeth which means not everybody accepts that judgment they kind of go into a hissy fit. There's, there's like grinding of teeth and anger and how dare you judge me like this? Or, you know, like there is a kind of a protest, but it's not going to matter because that judgment of Christ is final. You when when we face Him, and that's why now we want to be preparing for that day when we do meet Christ.
0: Yeah. Father Dan Petit with us is with us. And Father, I want to talk with you a little bit about St. Francis and go back to the time of St. Francis and look at his example. But we are coming up to a break. So hold on and we'll continue our conversation in the next half hour.
1: Good thing.
0: This is Dina Marie, and I'm back with my conversation with Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar. We're discussing some of the topics around the feast days of Saint of all souls and all saints, purgatory and our desire to go to heaven and the importance of praying for the dead. And Father Dan, I wanted to just go back to the time of St. Francis. And as St. Francis is, is, is building this community, uh, living this life, and he had a life, that I think he was ashamed of for a while as he started to accept Christ. How would he approach death? How would he approach purgatory? What are the ways in which he talked to his fellow friars about death?
1: Well, I think the I think the final moments of his death say it all. um, He basically asked the brothers when he was dying to please derobe him and leave him completely naked on the ground because he said, as I came forth naked from the womb I go back naked and with nothing, except the clothing Christ had provided him in baptism. That was his cloak. That was how that was his wedding garment, if you will. You know, that's what we receive in baptism. So but he was completely unclothed of anything in this world. And I mean Francis was radical. Let's let's face it. I mean, he he derobed in front of the bishop, took all his clothes off, gave them back to his father, no longer my father, Pietro Bernardoni, but our father in heaven. Well, at death it was the same thing. It's I had he had nothing of this world on, not even his habit, and was clothed only in the garment of his baptism when he died.
0: Do we learn a little bit about purgatory or the idea of what happens to us after death from the actions of St. Francis?
1: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because and this testifies to some things did bother Francis late in his life, even that he had done for his conversion. We don't have the details of that. We can we can speculate, but you really can't say for sure that He got into some things prior to his conversion that were very worldly, that upset him very much. And there was this wealthy uh, nobleman who gave Francis a mountain, Poggio the in Italy. It was a very high mountain to go and pray. And he used to go up there in solitude and pray. And he was up there toward the end of his life, a couple of years before he died. And he was in prayer before the Lord, so fearful for his salvation that the Lord gave him the grace of purgatory that we receive when we go to purgatory, which is, Francis, you are assured of salvation. Relax, you know, it's like, I, I don't know how else to calm you. I, I give you the assurance of your salvation, and that's the grace we receive when we go to purgatory. Well, Francis received that before he died because he was so fearful that he wasn't going to make it as a result of what he had done. That the the Lord finally calmed him and assured him, Francis, you're with me, Francis. I've got you. I'm never going to let you go. There's no snatching out of my father's hand. And uh, he came to peace at that moment for the rest of his life. Mm
0: -hmm. There's, I think, a lesson in that to learn is penance. And you mentioned earlier that we have time now. We don't know how much time we have to convert our hearts, to be able to right the wrongs. What are some of those things that St. Francis learned and we should learn about how to best prepare so that we are on the track for purgatory in heaven?
1: Well, you know, Francis spoke of persevering in penance. That's the way he put it. Now for him, that obviously meant some very uh, frightful ascetical disciplines, uh, frightful fasting. I mean, that, um, even to the point where he himself would would say that he had you know, mistreated his body as a result of the severity of the, the practices. But there's other things, like, for example, his love for the Eucharist was very central to his love for Jesus. And another pers- uh, practice he, he spoke of in persevering in penance, what he also meant is to... Frequent the sacrament of confession. He actually did speak of that as persevering in penance, because because of our weaknesses, we can become discouraged, and it, it, it's only um, you know it's like the um, the text of scripture says the just man falls seven times a day, and the unjust only once, because the unjust becomes so discouraged he stays down. Mm. Well, Francis would speak of persevering in penance by getting to the sacrament again and allowing Jesus to pick you up again, and now you're on your way again. And just keep persevering and, in that relationship, and don't give up, because Jesus isn't going to give up on you. And that's also, for Francis, I think the key to persevering in penance is to realize we can't give up, because Christ never gives up on us, even if we happen to give up on ourselves no we have to we have to return to him time and time again
0: right right what are some ways that you would suggest that we continue to to have that fortitude to have that perseverance but also to observe this time of of prayer and 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 offering prayers for the deceased
1: well i think i think one of the more important Gifts, I guess we receive in baptism for that, uh, that persevering and getting up again and is coming to know Jesus through faith and who he is. Um, not enough people in their faith. They, they, we need, we're in a crisis of faith. I think we need to revive in our faith because the first, uh, gift that our faith gives us is the knowledge that this God loves us so much. And and we lose sight of that when our faith grows dim and we start to think of him as just the lawgiver, which he is, he did give us the law, but we never get to what he did in us in for us in Christ to deliver us from the condemnation of the law, which is to die on the cross for us, so that we would become adopted sons and daughters. Well, our faith gives us that. And I think today we do need to revive in our faith and conviction of. I am loved. I am loved by this God. And there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God that comes in Christ Jesus. That's the thing that we need to revive that helps us keep getting up again, I think, and not lose hope.
0: Right. I think that that we are a people of hope. And that's what we need to continue to focus on. Yeah. And you
1: know, we're also not the church of the perfect. <laughs> right. We're the, church, we're the church of the repentant, and, and that means we have to keep getting up again. When we come up against the Swiss cheese of our lives with all its disconnects, we need to keep getting up again and again, and his mercy endures forever. So that becomes also a part of it.
0: Right. And I guess for me, the saints are those examples of the men and women who got back up. St. Francis got back up, <laughs> you know, and we, we can learn from that. And that's what we want to, whether we're a saint with a big S or a little S, I'll take a little tiny S as long as I get to be a saint.
1: Well, you you know, St. Therese has, you probably remember this too, I'm sure Dina Marie of the image she gave of like uh, someone that maybe is a, a big glass of a saint or just a thimble of a saint neither of them is going to be disappointed because they're both going to be filled over to the brim of love. No matter whether you you hold a lot of it or a little of it, you won't be unsatisfied, you know?
0: Right. Well, that's good news. That's good news. (laughs) Well, with the moment that we have left, Father Dan, just your final message for us to embrace this time of prayer, of penance, uh, of perseverance, and of hope in the month of November.
1: Yeah, I think especially uh, we do need to revive in our faith certainly for our own hope, but then we also need to exercise that for our loved ones, and not not to forget them. Um, it's 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 un- unfortunate sometimes to see how sometimes uh, families will have loved ones who die, and they're content with simply having, say, for example, a prayer service at the funeral home, but no mass in the church. And boy, that mass applied to the souls. I mean, it might not mean as much maybe to some of the family if they haven't been practicing the faith, but for the sake of your loved ones, the ones who have passed away, a mass applied to them. You just can't measure the value of that. And we need to be thinking of our dead more completely. If if they practice the faith to the end, make sure to pray for them, or if you, maybe you've Weakened in the faith and maybe don't see it quite the same way, but still have masses set for them, uh, you know, so that 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 grace can meet them and bring them into glory if they need it. you know.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Father Dan, we're so grateful for your time. Look forward to spending more time with you in the future. Would you please help us close with your prayer and blessing?
1: Sure. Let's pray in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray and thank you for the grace we have in our baptism, our confirmation and in the Eucharist by which we may ever grow closer to you and persevere in our doing penance to remain with you into the heavens. And we pray for all our loved ones and ask that they may too enjoy the glory of your face through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may the blessed mighty God descend upon you, remain with you forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Father Dan. Have a blessed November.
1: Thank you. You too, Dina Marie.